Grace and peace, you're listening to United We Pray. Taking racial struggles to the throne of grace, United We Pray is a ministry devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians pray and think about race in ways that are biblical and helpful, clear and hopeful. You can learn more about our work at youwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com, where you can find articles, old episodes, and more. I'm Austin Suter, joined by Isaac Adams. How you doing, Isaac? Yo, yo, yo. The weather is turning in Birmingham. It's not an oven anymore. I s- yes, but it's supposed to be like 95 degrees today. Yeah, okay. Um, it's still an oven. Never mind. Yeah, it, it it's an oven that's teasing us. Yeah, that, that does that. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Good to see you, brother. Good to be here. So, last time we recorded, we <laughs> we did, made it easy on ourselves. We did, and tried to define race. We did try, <laughs> and we spent about 45 minutes just realizing how not realizing, but just exploring how complex it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Today. We want to look at what is racism. Yeah. So what is it? Well, I think just to encourage our listeners, not because racism is encouraging, but I think this will be a less dense episode. And usually our episodes are less dense, but I think, again, like we're talking about, I think people appreciated us at least taking a stab. And, you know, that's why the sin is so difficult to fight because... You know, there's a great quote in Divided by Faith. Michael Emerson says this in Christian Smith. They say, clear villains, the reason this is hard to fight is because clear villains are no longer visible. Meaning, when you see the whites only sign above the, the drinking fountain, we all just know what we're talking about with racism, right? It's like, that's what it is, right? But when that sign comes down, but okay, now... Now, these people who live in this neighborhood still have uh, water that, you know, isn't safe to drink. Is that racist? You, do you see what I'm saying? Like, the, this is the kind of conversation. But anyway, to, to give you a simple answer to your very simple question, let's just see what I said in talking about race in the glossary, okay? Biblically speaking, racism is ethnic partiality, James 2.1. Let there be no partiality among you. And he deals a lot kind of with classism, basically, within the church. But that Greek word for no means none, right? This partiality, we go on to say, can be expressed individually, as we see in Numbers 12 with Aaron and Miriam toward Moses' Ethiopian wife, or structurally, as we see in Esther with Haman's state-sponsored initiative to annihilate the Jews. Again, obviously, there's there's more going on than ethnic partiality there. Though, interestingly, you know, if you use some of the definitions we talked about with race last time, with God's people being a chosen race, it's just a kind of different kind of spiritual racism in that sense. But, and it can be expressed overtly or covertly. Overtly, signs. Covertly, we don't like those people over there because the way they dress or something like that. And it's like, no one said anything about skin color, but it's that group of people you don't like. And they all happen to be the same skin color. You have the same stereotype, and it's just, it's more covert, hard to snuff out. Is that simple enough? Was that simpler than last time? That was definitely simpler than last time. Thank you. And it's helpful to have, you know, your book so that I can tie you to these definitions and, and, you know, make you remember what you've written. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, you'll notice I said we said in the book uh, because you probably wrote it, but yeah. (laughs) That's, that's a joke. We don't, we don't ghost right. (laughs) <laughs> that's true it's very no plagiarism. true so when we defined race i want to ask you about this element of it so when we defined race we were careful to say that race and ethnicity don't perfectly correlate 
Correct. Not not one for one, at least certainly not, because ethnicity is a real thing and race, at least as con- the social construct aspect of it isn't. So is it because it's kind of parasitic in that way that you can define racism as ethnic partiality? Yes, because while they don't, while it's not the same thing, it's so often considered to be the same thing. And it's worse. We're talking about the same family of issues. So it is a kind of let's just because it's been parasitic, let's just call it what it is. It's when you consider that person of that ethnicity, when you're in, when you're partial toward that person in a sinful way. Yeah, you're you're ne- if you're not in racism's house, you're knocking on the door. Got it. Uh, the parasitic metaphor is really useful, I think, because that's what race has done to ethnicity. Yes, and and people want to throw the if I can mix metaphors here, they want to throw the ethnic baby out with the racial bathwater. Yes. And you say, there is none of that stuff. There's none of it. Right. It's like, well, so we're, we're just all ethnic. Like it just, that doesn't make any sense. But racism has so poisoned our ideas of these things that we don't, it's tempting to not want any of it. That's really good. And to, and therefore to rob ourselves of the joy of what God did create. Yes, and the diversity, that was his idea in the first place. Exactly, yeah. That's good. So you've defined this uh, first as a sin, which I appreciate you doing. And as a sin, anyone can be guilty of it, right? Yeah, I think it's really important to keep the theological aspect of this definition in mind for a couple of reasons. One, yes, anyone can be guilty of it. Anyone is capable of any sin, I think I stand by that statement. Anyone is capable of it. Do you stand by that? I love when you put me on the spot like this. <laughs> well, let's I just, think so. Yeah, I mean, capable. Yes. Yeah. And well, what I mean, at least let's what we can't say about is this, racism is not a sin only white people commit. That I stand by clear as day. Yeah. It's just like if we're talking, we can be talking about you know whatever it is, Koreans versus Chinese versus Japanese, you know intra intra african-american racism toward one another you know so i think it's it's useful theologically for that reason i think it's useful theologically also because it helps us understand that we that racism doesn't die like any other sin doesn't die and so therefore we need to keep talking about it and searching our own hearts out for it and working against it. We keep working against lust. We keep working and preaching against greed. We keep working and preaching against anger. And we should do the same with racism. And so when we take it out of the kind of theological realm and treat it merely as a social problem from this social construct, and look, the water fountains, there's no more sign above the water fountains. Therefore, the problem is gone. We do ourselves a great disservice because that sin can still be running rampant in our own hearts, in our own churches, in our own communities. So we, I think the theological definition is important for that regard. Another reason I think the theological uh, aspect of considering racism is important is because it shows it won't just be fixed by policy. To be clear, we want policy. We want good laws. We want just laws. We want anything that curbs sinful behavior. And yet a law, the scriptures are clear, a heart does not change, right? Like the laws don't change our hearts. But as King famously said, you know, 
the law cannot make a man love me, but it can keep him from lynching me. And I think that's pretty important. But all that to say, it shows the holistic approach we need to go about in combating this because racism has touched our society and infected and fed off of, to use your parasitic analogy, our society in a holistic way meaning it's not simply only a spiritual problem and it's not simply only a societal problem. And if it's a monster with a million heads, we need to be chopping, to be using all the weapons God has given us and all the means God has given us to address it. So his gospel prayer and by his common grace, any institution from the governments of which he's ordained who do not bear the sword in vain. You're really on one this morning. We need to we need to record in the mornings more often. I, yeah, it. seriously. I think I ate my Wheaties this morning. This is great. Okay, Megan made killer chorizo burritos this oh. morning. And I'm, oh, I'm, man. I'm well fed. That's the secret. There it is. Good to know. Okay, a couple things in that that I wanted to pull out and double click because... Yeah, there's a lot, I'm sure there's a lot in there because it was basically a mini sermon. So well, yeah, but let's go. So... First point, uh, human beings haven't eradicated a sin yet. Yeah, that, yeah. Our um, our batting average is zero at eradicating <laughs> yeah. specific sins. Like yeah, we can, I was. I'm trying to say our doctrine of sin, harmat. I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, but you know what I'm getting at. Uh, but yeah, our doctrine of sin, we we are works in progress. Lord willing, we sin less, but we are not perfect. In yes. any regard. When I was saying we there, I mean sort of in the world. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, No, what sin has been eradicated? Right. I would love it to be that case. I hope I'm wrong yeah. on this, but I'm, what sin, someone would have to show me that insofar as people keep dying and everyone keeps dying, there's the empirical data. No one sin has been eradicated. So we shouldn't expect that with racism. Right. That's That's just very insightful. Something else I wanted to double click on because I think some listeners might have have not followed all the way in terms of how we talk about different races relating and how anyone can be guilty of racism. That might seem like an obvious point, but we have friends who want to, in their definition of racism, bake in something about human power dynamics so yeah. that- yeah. Prejudice plus power. Prejudice plus power. Yeah. So that you can only be racist when you are in a position of power. We're not defining it that way. Correct. But they're on to some. Flesh it out, what they're on to. Uh, well, I, I, you, you, Mr. <laughs> Chorizo Burrito. <laughs> I gave my gold nuggets. I, I think they are, but I want to, I'm, I'm not sure which train you're wanting me to hop on. So I'm yeah. like, you, what I was getting at is if racism is, you know, first and foremost, a sin of the heart. Yeah. I don't walk down the street and go, that's a racist. I see him. That one right there is racist right. because I, God, God has not gifted me competence to judge another human's heart. Right? right. Yeah. So how do we know when there is racism? We see its effects. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And what our friends who define racism as prejudice plus power understand and, and emphasize is that there is historical asymmetry in our country Correct. between who has had power and influence and authority and who is not. Correct. And because of that, at various points in our history, a person's ability to harm another because of racism has not been a level playing field. Correct. That is, that is accurate. Yes. And even now. Yes. 
you and I are sitting here. I'm white. You're black. My animosity towards you, if I had racial animosity towards you, is, I think, more able to hurt you than yours toward me. Yeah, this is a, this is a useful this is useful to talk about because what what I think we what we're also what we're not saying and what you're not saying right now is that one is necessarily worse than the other or uh, one is necessary more evil. Than no, the I'm other, not saying that at right? all. And that's where people get nervous with this conversation. But what you are saying is there is a difference between you calling me the N word and me calling you a cracker. There is just a difference. Anyone who wants to say there's not is not paying attention to the to the dynamics at play. And why is that difference? Because of the because of the way folks who look like you could leverage that and the way that was enshrined to harm folks who historically have looked like me. Yeah. What it meant to be called that for right. hundreds of years. Right. What it what it meant to be called that for hundreds of years meant you cannot marry this person, you cannot go to this school, you cannot be a part of this society. Don't even show church. up to this bank. Don't show up over here in a way where me saying it to you is like it has no real power against you. It's just my opinion of you. Still sinful, but yeah. The manifest the effect stops there. That's right. Yeah, so I do think that's useful uh, in, in that definition. And that's why I wanted to highlight that definition from our friends and saying, you know, we're not just trying to, to nitpick and split hairs and, and right. come up with the most precise definition because I think they're onto something. But we want to just be careful in how we define and talk about this, that we want, we want to make sure that we're always remembering it is, it is a sin and we are dealing with people's hearts. Right. Dealing with people's hearts and just realizing sinners, groups of sinners sin in groups. Uh, what I mean is, so I guess what I would say, Austin, is while I think they're onto sour, something in the power and prejudice definition, I wouldn't only limit it there. Correct. That's what we've done earlier. It's like, it, well, there's more going on and it's not just the powerful versus the powerless. So we're being careful to say that's not at least the full scope of our definition. And I think this is important to note. Howard Thurman, in his book, Jesus and the Disinherited, he says, in my, and just to be Howard Thurman, influential civil rights leader, and he says this, theologian, influence king, he says, in my analysis of hatred, it is customary to apply it only to the attitude of the strong toward the weak. Powerful versus the powerless. The general impression is that many white people hate Negroes and that Negroes are merely the victims. Such an assumption is quite ridiculous. I was once seated in a Jim Crow car. So he, there he is in, well, we'll come back to it. I was once seated in a Jim Crow car, which extended across the highway at a railroad station in Texas. Two Negro girls of about 14 or 15 sat behind me. One of them looked out of the window and said, look at those kids. She referred to two little white girls who were skating toward the train. Wouldn't it be funny if they fell and splattered, spattered their brains all over the pavement? folks want more on that quote, they can see pages 39 and 40 about of talking about race. And so what I'm getting at there is I think that's why it's important to not just limit it to the power, to the, to the strong and the weak. That said, I, I just also want to be careful in saying that when we're talking about sin, when we, when we say matters of the heart, I fear that people think therefore it can't ever have group wide effects. 
So yes, institutions don't have souls. I don't think institutions per se will be redeemed. I understand the church will be redeemed and it's a group of God's people, but, and God will make a new world. I understand all that with the kind of cosmic proportions of the gospel. But what I'm getting at is that there's still a way to say your family sinned against my family. This group has sinned against that group, right? And so I guess what I'm getting is when we're dealing with matters of the heart, we're not just dealing with, you called that person a bad word. Sinners sin in groups, corporate rebellion against God, right? Right. Even George Washington said, forgive us for our national sins. Interesting, but go ahead. Well, that's sort of where I was going next. So I was was just going to ask, like, are people racist? Are systems racist? Are laws racist? Are governments racist? Yes. You're just going, yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying every every government, every but people, no one's going to look at a, the Jim Crow car and say that's not a part of a racist system. They would we would describe accurately the system to be racist. It's inherently racist. It's designed to be partial toward this race or against this race, however we want to look at it. Yeah, there's a frustrating element of sort of our corporate conversations about institutional or systemic racism, however you want to talk about it. And there seems to be a a blurring of the lines between one, there's no such thing as structural institutional racism, or it's been eradicated. Yeah. And I think one of those, I think, I think both of those claims are wrong. Yeah. But one is more plausible than the other. Hmm. So to say, structural racism has been eradicated, you can look at successes and say, we're not doing all of those things anymore. Right. To say it's a categorical impossibility, I think is a little bit absurd. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And it's absurd just because of human history. I mean, just this sound, what, what frustrates me about this conversation sometimes, and I think it's legitimate and worth having, obviously we're giving a lot of time to it, but is it can become so abstract and be like, you know, be careful with that. And we, you know, we are clear and careful, I think, with our definitions. We at least aim to be. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. Those four little girls bombed at 16th Street up the road from where we are right now. They weren't talking about social constructs and all. They knew what it was to be sinned against. That church knew what it was to be sinned against by a group of individuals. And so I'm just like, I kind of get annoyed. I'm just stop bothering me with the abstract loopholes you're trying to create so you can feel better about yourself. Yeah. That's obviously not what we're talking about. I believe you're justified in Christ. People have really sinned against people. It's really terrible. And we think the gospel has implications for it. And we want, we would like to not repeat those sins of the past. So please just stop with the, but what about, and the, Okay, but, and uh, so you can clear your own name. We're not talking about you necessarily. Well, let's let's go there next. So what... I think I've already gone there, but go, <laughs> you're welcome to join me, yes. Um, in a lot of ways, what we keep trying to do is just to encourage people to treat racism like every other kind of sin. At one level, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Because that, that does a number of things. Well, we've already talked about a few of them. 
means anyone can be guilty of it. Yeah. Um, means we should always be fighting against it. Yeah. Another implication I wanted to talk through is it means you can do it without meaning to or realizing you're doing it. Mm, that's good, brother. That's good. So there's a reason in Le Leviticus there's like forgive us for our unintentional sins. Right. Sacrifices it, for the unintentional. At one level, it would be nice if racism were something you had to do on purpose. Like, oh, it'd be great. Yeah. There'd be far less of it. There would be. I, I hope. Gosh. I hope. Yeah, right. Oh, man. All right. There's this pattern that often repeats itself, whether publicly, sort of on social media or in our churches. And so let, let's let let's do this hypothetical here. Okay. Me and you. Great. I do something and it hurts you. And race is involved at some level. Maybe I said something insensitive, made a crude joke, something like that. Yeah. In this hypothetical, you confront me and call my behavior racist. Mm. To which I recoil. <laughs> and I go through any number of our favorite lines. I don't have a racist bone in my body, Isaac. Some of my best friends are black, right? Mm -hmm. I couldn't have been racist. I grew up in this environment. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I insist that there's no ethnic animosity behind my behavior. What's going on there? Oh, man, so much. <laughs> you say hypothetical, and I'm like, you mean the conversation we just heard? <laughs> you know, and that's good. So much. Well, what's going? I mean, what's going on there is I think I'll just say this because we I'm sure we're running out of time. What's going on there is an inability, frankly, to receive a rebuke. You know, Proverbs says a rebuke goes deep into a man or a woman of understanding. They consider, and so like just what's going on there is defensiveness because. You know, it's so interesting. We talk about like, oh man, these conversations are so abstract, blah, blah, blah. But they are important because what you define racist as, I bet that person who is being defensive defines a racist as a KKK member. Right. I don't wear white hoods. I don't burn anything. How? Because our definition, racism is so extreme now in our mind. I could never be guilty of such a thing. Jeremiah would disagree. The heart is deceitful above all things desperately sick and so yeah if race were involved i think sometimes we can we can get too deep in the weeds on was this racist or not as if there is just this kind of binary you know rule book of like okay now you've committed a racism right and i <laughs> right. think that's just a bit silly it's like this is an Im this is an image bearer you made some dumb joke that okay yeah it wasn't in racism's living room but it was on its front porch like right and so it's just like does that make it any better <laughs> like no it, it makes it better sure you didn't intend it that way but as you've written about as i've written about as we've talked about there's still impact regardless of intention and I, uh, we want to just be careful to avoid that pharisaical instinct to draw such a small box around sin so as to lessen our responsibility to love our neighbor. Right. And that's what Jesus... Sorry, go ahead. No, that was it. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, uh, I am quoting Jesus after all, so I think... Yeah, you go ahead and do that. I'll shut up. <laughs> that's what he's saying. He's like, y'all have neglected the weightier matters of the law, Right mercy love faithfulness like these are the things we're talking about so y'all are over here squabbling about is this or not racist and he's like there are weightier things going on 
person who wants to be defensive. And it's like, fine, you're not a racist. You're loveless. How about that? That was a, that was a hateful thing you said. I don't hate anybody. Well, okay. Then you're perfect and you have not sinned. And this person is just overreacting, even though you made a crude remark as regards their race that hurt an image bearer and made them feel less than and invoked years of really painful conversation for them and disregarded their personal background and their feelings. And by the way, Jesus said, put your neighbor's needs before your own, but let's put yours first. But you're right. You haven't done any of that. So go therefore and you don't sin. So continue to be con perfect. Con continue to be perfect. And the rest of us who can admit, Lord willing, yeah, that was wrong. God have mercy on me. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's probably more accurate than I'd like it to be. No one and no one is now let's just flip it to the other end. If the person if the injured is going to say you're just as bad as those KKK burning white supremacists. Well, okay. Yeah, you might make someone defensive. And the way, yeah. you know, and is that true? Maybe. I, like, but I don't want to get into, like, you've got to deliver your rebuke perfectly or therefore they're justified in their defensiveness. It's just like people don't actually communicate like that. That's why in talking about race, I tried to give, this is a great example because this is a real life conversation. The rebuke is coming from an imperfect person, so it probably won't be perfect, but hopefully we can be better in how we deliver it and certainly better in how we receive it. Yes. I, I think that we've given more emphasis to the receiving end, and I think that's appropriate because we all have yeah. that pharisaical instinct. You know, in the, when he, the famous parable of the Good Samaritan, when he's trying to get out of loving his neighbor, he says, and we get the reason right? Yeah. In order to justify himself. In order to justify himself. We all don't want to be sinners, yeah. but we don't want to do the work to not sin. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we want to get out of our loving our neighbors, but somehow get into heaven. Yeah. And it's just like, ah, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. That's good. Yeah. Let's turn just for a moment to talk about issuing that rebuke or bringing up the charge of racism. You're liking these long episodes lately. This is just a good conversation. This is, Amen. this is the most fun I've had recording in a while, even though <laughs> we're talking about a hard topic. Yeah. Go for it. Um, issuing a rebuke. I'm not prepared to tell someone they are wrong for using words like racism, white supremacy, those kinds of things like depending on situation conversation relationship there's all these factors that i don't want to just issue sort of some blanket prohibition against don't use these words when talking about race and racism Agre agreed yeah i would like to offer an encouragement and point you to an, a resource so we've had shy lynn on new reformation mm great book he wrote about this he has a lot of definitions in that book yes and he would even go he would even drill down into further different kinds of partiality and oppression sorry go but ahead. one thing he's very careful to do is he uses bible words mm -hmm. so yeah. he just tries to keep his definitions as close to scripture as he can um not because he thinks other definitions are invalid mm -hmm. and i think it's a tactful decision on his part to say that when you're dealing with christians the closer you stay to bible words the more shared definitions you're able to have mm-hmm and sort of the more common ground you're able to make. So not because he doesn't like other words or other definitions. He's just saying, I'm 
guessing that I'm going to have more success persuading other Christians if I use certain language. Typical wisdom from Shai. Yeah. 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 Wise and nothing to improve upon there. That was just really persuasive to me. I was like, okay, I could see tactfully how, you know, if you come in guns blazing with you white supremacist, Mm -hmm. the conversation that follows is probably not going to be that helpful. Proverbs 15, anger produces anger. Yeah. Yeah. You might be right. Yeah. You might be totally right. You might be right. But we're looking for more than just right and wrong. We're looking for, we're looking for love, even toward your enemy, which is also a deeply Christian principle. All right. Let's put a bow on it. So because racism is a sin, it's, it, it won't be eradicated. We need to continually maintain. Well, it won't be eradicated in this life, but Jesus is coming back. He wins in the kingdom. There is no racism. It will, it has a death date. Yes. Like every other sin. Thank you for correcting me on that. Uh, this side of glory, we are in maintenance mode. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So we've got a faithfulness mode, right? We've got to keep fighting it because yeah, yeah. because it is a sin of the heart. Anyone can be guilty of it. Yep. Um, so while we might chafe at the idea of being called or recognizing that we might have racist ideas or inclinations, that's an important thing to own in order, like for our own sanctification and to love our neighbors. Yeah, for our own humility, yes. Yes. Thing I'd want to close on, because it is a sin, God's power is sufficient to get rid of it. Amen. And I think that's why, that's what, that's what is so lamentable, to go back to your hypothetical, about the person who would get super defensive when charged, is you are denying the very, you're, you're, de- you're depriving yourself of the very grace and mercy that could be yours. The scandal of the gospel is not that Christians sin or even say racist things, as terrible as that is, say, think, perpetuate, whatever verb we want to use. The scandal of the gospel is Christ forgives repentant racists or people who perpetuate, say, think, do. You know, it's like... I'm talking talking less about identity here and more about need for forgiveness and the supply of God's grace, which the demand of our sin can never deplete. There is more mercy in Christ, to quote Sibs, than there is sin in us. So why not have it and just say and confess? I mean, this is what David's getting at in Psalm 37. When I put my hand... Over my mouth, when I was silent, my bones wasted away. Your hand was heavy upon me. But when I confessed my sins, even my unintentional ones, Lord, forgive me of hidden faults. Oh, then there was life. There was restoration. There was there was calmness. There was a soothing. And that's what we want people to have. It's like, that's why... We don't want people listening to this. Now I feel afraid to ever rebuke or confront someone or don't feel like it's like have that conversation because the whole thing about Matthew 18 is it's in the context of forgiveness. You have gained your brother, your sister. We want to gain. Racism has caused so much loss. We are out. This is, you know, we pray is a gaining ministry. We want to gain people back, not lose. I mean, that's what... That's what is so sad about, let's just call it 
whether 2016 to the present day or 2012 to the present day or 1619 to the present day, whatever, so much has been lost. But the beauty of, is it Joel? When he talks about the Lord will restore the, the years, the locusts of Eden. We really believe that. Yeah. And so, yeah, racism isn't bigger than God. It never will be. It never could be. And God is making that clear. And one day he will make it undeniable. And Lord willing, or sadly, I think our store has to be open. Lord willing, it will be open until that day. But one day United We Pray will be out of business because it won't be necessary. Amen. I can't improve upon that. That chorizo, man. <laughs> Serving us well today. I'm kidding. We should pray. We should pray. We should pray that then, yeah, that the Lord would hasten the day. I'll start us. Lord, as Isaac said, we long for the day when uh, ministry like this is not needed because you have returned and eradicated every sin, including racism. Um, Lord, until that day, we pray that you give us wisdom. We pray that you give us humility. Mm. Um, God, make us able to receive rebuke. Make us courageous to give that rebuke when needed. Make us tactful in rebuking well. Um, Lord, give your people soft hearts um, towards the needs of brothers and sisters. Help us to be better at loving each other. Help us to hate our sin more. Um, and Lord, we just pray that you would return quickly. We, we need you. We need your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, we think of the, um, the hymn. And Lord, has the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. Lord, when you come and the trump resounds, and even then we will say, it is well with our soul. So Lord, we echo John's simple prayer. Come, Lord Jesus, come. In his name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find more about our work at our website, youwepray.com. Grace and peace. Oh.